Stephanie. And I'm Summer. And you're listening to Broke and Broken. <laughs> because we're both. The podcast about living your best life by getting real. Hey, broken people. This is Summer. Um, unfortunately, Stephanie is out sick today. She's having some medical issues, so you've just got me. And today I interviewed Kendra Wilson-Clements. She's an amazing woman. I met her several years ago. We do a lot of community work together. And so I won't keep you too long since I don't have Stephanie here to chatter with. But I did want to mention Kendra and I talk about Matriarch. And I know that most of our listeners don't have a frame of reference for that. Matriarch is a group. It started in Oklahoma City, now has a satellite chapter out at Tulsa. And it's a group that's aimed in to provide relevant services and empowerment for indigenous women. The goal is to help change some of the problems that we're facing in Indian country by empowering our women and helping us improve our lives in order to make that impact at a grassroots level. And it, the program's been going three years. It has made an amazing difference in the lives of so many already, and I expect it to just continue growing. I teach some of the workshops and do mentoring, as well as being a member and learning and benefiting from these other women, and it's really an incredible program because there is a lack of culturally relevant resources for marginalized communities and this is just kind of helping fill that gap particularly for urban natives who are having to live far away from their own people so without further ado we'll move on to kendra so today we have kendra so thank you for being here kendra and um introduce yourself for us please while i untangle the microphone wire (laughs) kendra wilson clements having a good time here (laughs) it's always fun when i'm around (laughs) (laughs) me too interesting people can never be bored see that's of course that's (laughs) That's why we get along so well (laughs) so how long have we known each other kendra it's been a few years it's been several years um let's see here matriarch was that our first introduction to matriarch or before that i don't know maybe but right before that okay around there though so sure Four years? It's been a while, yeah. yeah. Do a yeah. lot of community work. Absolutely. <laughs> we do indeed. So what is it that you do, Kendra? I am a uh, entrepreneur business owner. I have a, a small business consulting firm called We The People. And what I do is basically I help uh, small businesses uh, in Indian country grow. Uh, okay. So businesses that are in turmoil um, or cannot grow the grow themselves I go in and help them grow okay so you mentioned Indian country I guess we should tell people mm-hmm. we're we we have another talk to women here yes. <laughs> this seems to be a theme I've had quite a few talk to women on here people are going to think course. that's the only people I know <laughs> <laughs> we're just we're everywhere <laughs> this is the deal there's a lot of us we're taking over the world yes I have been warned a member of the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma okay so one thing I wanted to talk to you about that I've been I've been searching for someone to, a guest to come on to talk about is incarceration mm-hmm um, I'm always baffled when it when I meet people who've never known anyone to be incarcerated because I mean uh. I was grown before I knew that was possible for a grown man to have never been to jail right because <laughs> that's just you know my reality right and um, so I tend to get very upset at the way that people talk about inmates as if they're not human yes. and you know find them as disposable and so I've been wanting to get somebody who understands this mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and can talk about it from, you know, the perspective of family yes. so that it's not just me preaching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So can you kind of tell us your experience with that? Sure. Um, I mean, I, I guess you could call this a 
maybe second, third generation uh, incarceration uh, experience. So my grandfather was incarcerated for a time. Um, my dad was incarcerated for bits, um, just uh, public drunks and such, nothing you know major. But my brother, uh, my only sibling, uh, has, has gone through the system uh, several times and has has kind of had a revolving uh, as as it most as most have uh, has been in and out of the system for 11 years now um, three okay. times uh, this last uh, stay or stint rather um, he was up on a charge uh, 20 years um, seven and a half uh, um, for time served, but somehow because our obviously our system is so uh, crowded uh, right. and packed out, he he served two and a half. Um, he was uh, he he got out last June, so June of uh, twenty seventeen, um, and has um, not done well um, right. since and since since being. Um, since being let out, I mean, it's really it's it's just kind of a system of set up to fail, um, essentially, with him. Absolutely. And I'm watching that firsthand. That's hard, right? Mm. And our system is not designed for rehabilitation at all. None at all, right? Right. He, uh, you know, the first two times that he he was in, of course, it's that whole pipeline, you know, starting with in in. Uh, Lexington, right? Okay. Lexington. Then a few days later, maybe a week later, they process uh, to wherever it is they're going to go. He was sent to McAllister, mm. um, and he he has a a, a violent um, plus uh, drug charge. He is uh, in possession of a weapon um, in in a drug charge while he was on uh, probation before already. So that just kind of tipped that. Elevated. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, so he was in McAllister for, mm, I think, about six months and then was transferred uh, to Union City, um, which is a, a, a private minimum security, low security um, prison, maybe 250, I think that was 250, 300 uh, inmates there, mm -hmm. um, where he, he stayed out the rest of his, his sentence. So still on probation, though, of course. The probation set up the whole racket, too. You have the fees, uh, and if you don't pay them. Right. Yes, right. I had a cousin who ended up going back in because mm -hmm. he got a call, and, you know, when they <clears throat> call him for the randoms, and you only have so so long yeah. to go take your test. Yeah. So his, his probation officer called him. You have to go right now. The boss says you leave to go take this yeah. I'm gonna fire you right so you've got a choice okay so he leaves to go take it because mm -hmm. if he doesn't take the test mm -hmm. then he, his probation gets revoked but he now lost his job so his probation got revoked right <laughs> so right. there's no there's no winning that's exactly right I mean what I what I can say is that you know uh, if it weren't for the support of my family myself and my family mm -hmm. uh, there would be no way that my brother would be able to make those court costs, keep a job. I mean, there's their employers don't want to let it's people hard to find off. a job right. with a felony. Right, it's exactly. So and, and then there's that. It's finding the finding a job if you have a felony. No one wants to hire you. Um, but if you do find an employer who will hire you and take that chance, uh, they get 
pissed off that you got to take off and right. you know they pull your card number and then oh by the way your probation officer has to come to your house and they're not going to tell you what time they come so you end up having to take off all day long potentially mm-hmm. right. um, so it's just a it's a I, I, I've just watched this firsthand and it has um, it, it's disheartening it's frustrating it's frightening um, and, and it is one hell of a money maker I'll, I'll see that absolutely yeah. Yeah. it's one of the biggest businesses I've seen it um, is I mean, in they Oklahoma make, they make money while you're in there they make money oh, when yeah. you're out they yeah, it's make like, money on the plea deals to keep you out. Exactly. Yeah, it's like, you know, oil and gas, they say, is our first industry here. I'm not real sure that that's <laughs> the deal. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I, right. I, I feel as if our, our uh, prison uh, system is, is maybe ranked number one. That's arguable. So. I think it's arguable that's why that's what the motivation was for part of the push against the marijuana reform laws. Oh, absolutely. Because... Yeah. You know, if you decriminalize, then there's right. fewer people going into that pipeline. That's exactly right. Right. Yeah, you know, um, and in talking about that, that was really my f- brother's first um, stay. It was he got caught with a bag of marijuana, um, and he was in county for, good Lord, they had him in there for about three months. Um, wow. And And he came back and told me this is the first uh, time so this was back this is about 10 10 11 years ago um i didn't hear from him for a while and and we were panicking kind of like where the hell is my brother my mom where the hell is my son Mm -hmm. um and we went down to county uh, at one point we're asking questions like where's he at what's going on um, and they're like, oh, okay, well, uh, we, we have found him, we've located him, and he's on the mental health ward on the 13th floor. Oh, wow. Um, how long has he been there? Um, he's been there for three weeks. Why haven't we heard from him? So, you know, in addition to a, a, a terrible um, addiction that my brother has battled for 20, almost 25 years now, his mental health, which, of course, those go hand in hand, um, he's, he suffers Mm-hmm. pretty terribly with mental health issues um, but was up on the mental health ward for three weeks and we were trying to track him down uh, where is he at is he dead where is he couldn't get any answers until we went there um, and and the the deal was well uh, he's he's been sedated such um, mm-hmm. that he couldn't you know make phone calls couldn't um, but 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 they don't call you and they don't right. call family and they no. don't notify you and and I don't know, that was our kind of our first experience um, with uh, Oklahoma County, um, which is just, it's terrible. Second stay in there, he was there for about six months. Um, and this was at a time, and in, in Oklahoma County had, uh, I mean, they were just, they were on the news almost nearly every day for deaths, inmate right. deaths, um, yes, they have a sewage, <laughs> plumbing, kind of the ceiling fell out in one on one of their floors my brother happened to be on the the floor above the one that fell Mm -hmm. um they were eating outside having to serve food outside it was the middle of summer like a hundred and something degrees um, because the cafeteria had flooded um they were sleeping in these things called boats i guess Um, it's basically like just this cot on the ground um but wasn't you know propped up so that's kind of when i started learning um you know, you hear that from a person uh, who has really no reason to tell you that it is a certain way f- when it's not. I mean, right. there's no 
reason to, to lie about that kind of stuff, but really just learning uh, about the conditions and how they treat. These are human beings. I don't care what they've done, um, but it's just that kind of got my attention and really my my fire and advocacy for for incarceration and prisoners and how we treat them here. Yes, I was uh, read. There was an <laughs> I uh, went against my own advice and read the comments on, <laughs> on a news uh, article the other day. <laughs> Never read the comments. No, section, no ever. I no. <laughs> and it was about the, I know my limit. <laughs> the um, prisons in Texas, but yeah. not having air conditioning. And you know it's triple digits. Yeah, and it's it's awful. And yeah, some of the comments on there. Well, they shouldn't have committed a crime. It's unbelievable. For real. Right. I mean, right. These are still human beings. They're still people. Yeah, first absolutely. Of all. Yeah. And secondly, um, do people not understand that when you treat people inhumanely, when mo- most people, most inmates will be released at some point. Right. They have to be able to function and right or people have I don't know people make no sense right right well and it's I mean it's a human being first and foremost but you know 9.9 times out of 10 I obviously don't know the statistic here (laughs) but we've got mental health which is absolutely and it's not treated not at all not at all and especially even when they're in that system Um, my brother absolutely was not getting Mm -mm. um, the the mental health um, attention that he needed nor uh, was he getting the um, treatment for his addiction and so what was interesting was is this third time around um, when he was in McAllister um, and actually, so it, it travels from here's this state, you know, prison, and then we're going to send you off to Union City, which is a private, uh, private prison. But they they have such limited resources there that it literally comes down to: Do you want a job, or at the same time that you could be working, we're going to here give you a couple of these AA programs or addiction oh, recovery programs? Like, which one do you want? So, so there's not enough resources, money, or care, give a shits really, right. um, to, to allow them to work and to work a program because they need both. I mean, they can't, you know, it, it, and, and so of course my brother, he's like, no, I want to work because I want to get the hell out of here. Right. Uh, they put him to work in a field. He was doing some farm work uh, in McAllister, but he's not getting, yeah, he's not, he's not getting, uh, any any recovery um, treatment same situation with Union City it's hey um, we can get you out of here during the day and you can go work for Department of Forestry um, right. or you can stay here during the day and you have access to a therapist and you have access to um, you know AA meetings what do you want well who doesn't want to get the hell out of there right, right? that's mental health too right I need to get out of these four walls um, I've got these issues. Um, I want to get out of here because I'm not feeling so good. But oh, by the way, I can't. If I do that, then I'm kind of being punished, and I right. can't. I can't get my treatment. Um, so, so it's just been. Ugh. So his mental health issues. I don't know what they are. Are they mm-hmm. something that he needs medication for? Absolutely. Um, does he get proper medication when he's incarcerated? No, Probably he does not. not. Right? No, he does not. That. So the time that I, I talked about when he was up on the 13th floor, like missing for weeks, and then oh you know here he is in in the mental health ward um he they they when i when we finally were able to connect with him on the phone um he was it it literally it sounded like he was intoxicated he Mm. was so 
heavily sedated. They did not have his, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but all I had to do was hear him. Right. He was not making sense. The sentences were, it's like his words were jumbled. And that went on for weeks. Um, and so it wasn't just that it was a fresh, oops, we gave you too much because you were, you know, having a bad behavior day or something. Right. It was it was a constant flow of over medication right <laughs> if we keep you zombified we don't have to deal with you that's exactly right yeah if you just lie there uh, if you're sleeping great we don't have to deal with you we may not even have to feed you you know i mean wow. it, it's it's um and you don't have to have calls we don't have right. to super i mean it's just that's absolutely um what it was same thing in in union city he albeit he wasn't um sedated but he certainly wasn't being treated for anxiety. So he's got horrible anxiety. He's got an anxiety disorder, bipolar, uh, schizoaffective disorder, Mm -hmm. um, and a a sleep disorder. And so the sleep disorder and the anxiety disorders went untreated because the medications that they typically will prescribe for those um, um, are narcotics, and they don't obviously um, uh, give those in in prison. So So is that the... Um, underlying issue with most of his substance abuse problems is the you know um, that's kind of chicken and egg stuff it's like what comes first is it the mental health stuff that sparks the addiction or is it the addiction that sparks the (laughs) it becomes this dynamic cycle yeah what is it yeah what what what's first um and and I've and I've actually I mean the past 25 years with him I've I've seen both um I see where the mental health is starting to decline and he's sober and then he uses. Um, but then I've also seen him using and the mental health and that is triggers the mental a quick health. decline. Yeah. 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 Um, typically, you know, hallucinations and such. Oh, wow. um, it's a terrible uh, decline. Mm-hmm. It happens fast. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it? Really quickly. Yeah. And that's hard on the whole family. Yeah, I mean, those <laughs> issues are not, you know, pick one. It, substance abuse in and of itself, um, addiction, um, that is hard on the family. That's mm-hmm. like enough, right? Right. Um, and then you add mental health. That isolated thing, that's enough. Um, and then you add the incarceration piece, and it's like, wow, you know, um it's my family and I, um, I mean, we've we've kind of, you know, we've we've gone up and down, and we've split apart, and we've you know uh, come together and split apart and come together. I mean, it's there's been a lot of hard feelings and you know fear and anger and sadness, and it's hard. I mean, it's very difficult uh, on a family. Yeah, the family serves time with them. Oh, absolutely, certainly so, certainly so. <laughs> I know. I have so much to say, but I'm like, I can't say that because that will identify this person and they'll be sad me. <laughs> I have so much experience uh-huh. with all of this with people. Yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, I mean, you know, I spent a lot of time last year helping a friend. Yeah, and I, then I didn't hear from him. He just, he relapsed and then I didn't hear from him from March mm-hmm. until a few days ago. He's literally, because I got to where I would send him a text message. About once a month. Mm-hmm. Just let him know I'm still here if you need yeah. something. And he finally answers a message that I sent literally a month before. 
<laughs> as if I had just said it. I'm like, you don't have to lie. Like, you can just say hi. It's right. fine. You don't have to lie. You don't have to lie because we know when that happens. Like, oh, I just saw your text. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, from a month ago. Yeah. You probably had 15 people in right. your text queue before right. me. We had to search for that. Right. <laughs> But sure, right. so I just I just went along and yeah. answered it. But yeah, that's, so that's you know, same. So he's still alive. Same. Yeah, that's... yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know the the interesting thing just with regard to my own brother and watching this whole thing. I mean, so you know he gets out in June. He goes and lives with my parents mm-hmm. for about forty five days, and then slips. Mm. Um, and and he now his. His addiction has, um, he's now a meth user. Oh. Um, 45 days in, uses, gets kicked out of their house. Um, and so for some great reason, I'm like, well, I'm in recovery, so maybe I can take him in my house and lay down these rules. How ridiculous. Um, took him it's into my intentions. house. That's yeah, it absolutely. So well intended. I was like, now you're going to have to go to meetings and we're going to have to do this program work together. Oh yeah, of course. Well, of course they're going to say that. So he comes and lives with me for about three months, um, and slipped three times, um, meth. Mm-hmm. Um, so he gets kicked out of my house in October um, and then after that, uh, gets kicked out of three sober living homes. Oh, can't wow. stay even right. in a sober living home. Meth. Um, and then Meth has is so the, hard to kick, it, it's though. terrible. It is, it is a demon and I am watching this thing just literally it's, 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 it's stealing his soul. I don't, I don't recognize him anymore. Not physically, but emotionally and you know he's spiritually bankrupt and just it's it's a scary it turns him into somebody completely different it's horrible i mean he's spent our christmas holiday at trc uh, just last week was discharged from the crisis center Mm -hmm. um, now is trying to go through north care outpatient program and so this is all in like a year and a couple of months Mm -hmm. um but, but he, you know, there were no programs in prison to help him step into society, you know? No. And transition programs, even when they come out, are few and far between, and they're hard to get into, and some right. of them aren't that good. Yeah. And rehabs, too. Right. I right. have a big problem <laughs> yeah. with these private religious-based rehabs that have oh. no clinically trained staff. Oh. They cause more harm than good. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yep. I think they should be shut down. Yeah, I, I 100%. Come, with, come at me with the pitchforks <laughs> yeah. and torches if you want, but it's wrong and you're hurting people. Oh, it's absolutely wrong. It's irresponsible. <laughs> it completely is. irresponsible. Yeah, yeah I've seen those things in action, and I'm like, nah, you're you're doing more harm than 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 good. It's terrible. It is. So you mentioned you're sober now. Can mm-hmm. you tell us your story? I am. Like... Yes, I can. Um, so I. Uh, well, my brother and I, we come from a long and strong generation. Yeah, long and strong. Generation to generation to generation of alcoholism and addiction. Um, on my paternal side, which is my Choctaw side, um, my great grandfather, alcoholic. Uh, my grandfather, alcoholic. My grandfather also um, attended boarding school. 
uh, Goodland Indian Orphanage, as they referred to it at the time. My uncles went there. Ah, beautiful. Some of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, that, of course, was just a soul stealer. Oh, so uh, alcohol um, was was certainly a, an escape for him. Uh, my grandmother, um, she was uh, alcoholic as well. Uh, my dad is an alcoholic, my biological father. Um, his sister uh, died of an overdose, heroin yeah, overdose. Yeah, like if I'm not an alcoholic, I would I be mean, part of the family You anymore. know, like I, it, I, it would be weird <laughs> right. if I, they may resent me if I were not uh, some sort of an addict, you know, <laughs> there would be something wrong with me. <laughs> yeah, so. Like Marilyn on the uh, monsters, I mean, you're just the strange yeah, one. I'm just the strange one. There she is, all sober. Look at her. Um, <laughs> no, I, um, uh, my mom's side of the family, though, they, you know, a little bit of mental health stuff, but not really addiction. Um, so I have literally, I was, uh, I, first time I drank uh, was the very first time I got drunk, and it was also the very first time I blacked out. Oh, gosh. Uh, and I was How 13. How much did you drink? Uh, well, it was uh, a whole lot of peppermint schnapps uh, that I stole from always. my mom and dad's. <laughs> liquor cabinet oh, wow. um, 13 years old mine was Boone's Farm Strawberry Hill I mean listen I have a bottle in my drank. refrigerator right now because oh. I saw it in the liquor store and I hadn't <sighs> seen it since then yeah. so I bought it out of pure nostalgia and I'm afraid to drink it because I remember <laughs> yeah. making a reference about it tasting like cough syrup or something yeah. so I'm like it probably tastes awful I don't want to drink it listen after <laughs> I drink that whole bottle I, I couldn't I couldn't drink peppermint schnapps after that first time nor could I smell it could I could I anything <laughs> uh, clearly it's not a good idea if I drink it now no one wants to see that well no one wants yeah no no one wants to see no. that um so yeah I uh, it was that thing and it, it's a true thing so um when you have that addict gene or that alcoholic gene or that drug whatever whatever gene, it is that. whatever that is that very it literally is it's that first time you do it it's like ding there it is that's what I've been searching for all this time and so um yeah alcohol was the deal um and I was a terrible teenager and a terrible uh I was just terrible um and I uh I've had just literally it's been uh Wow, uh, I've got a lot of amends to make. That's for sure. My my list. <laughs> You're is, like this stuff's gonna take a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, I'm I'm on that step right now. It's a step eight. Um, it's emotionally draining. Yeah, well. Alcoholics Anonymous, and I'm like I'm gonna hang out here for a minute because holy shit, <laughs> this is long. Um, you know, and things just come to you. Yeah, like, You're like, oh yeah, and then there's that. Damn. Let's start within mm. the last decade. And exactly. Work back. work back. God, I don't know. So. I got sober on um, my uh, stepfather's birthday. It was March 11th, uh, 2017. So I've been sober for a year and five-ish months right. um, as of you know, a few days from now. Um, and what got me to uh, stop was, um, you know, I was tired of, uh, um, blown up my life and uh, <laughs> I was tired that. I was exhausted and yeah. that's what literally got me kind of crawling into that program was just despair and exhaustion and I can't wake up uh, in a parking lot with my car running at four o'clock in the morning and not know where the hell I am anymore oh or by the way I certainly 
cannot be driving down the road on the wrong side of the road on the highway can't yeah. do that no let's not um, do that no so just things like that it was like I'm I'm my dad's an older guy and my brother's a disaster my mom is uh, not well um, I have to get my shit together like I'm, I'm at this point it, it got scary um, and and I'm, I was tired literally like exhaustion is what got me into that program so, so did you go find a meeting is that one of the first things you did uh, no uh, because I um, am so smart and <laughs> so incredibly strong uh, and so willful. Is the word yeah, you're yeah. For. Let's just call it what it is. Um, I am a willful asshole. I with a gigantic but ego. You. But we love you. Kendra. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that it would be a great idea to uh, just stop drinking. Um, and so for and not work a program. Right. You're like, I can just, not, I can just quit. I got it's fine. Yeah. So I've been drinking for 30 years. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> I had stage three. Um, cirrhosis and so my oh, health was that. failing yeah my health was tanking um so yeah I've got stage three cirrhosis and I'm just gonna quit because I am because I'm strong and smart it's <laughs> so stupid it's every alcoholic exactly <laughs> so for hey, five whole months I was white knuckling uh, my path of sobriety um, and, and crazier than I had ever been in my entire life um, because I took the thing that I've always used for 30 years to cope with shit, right? That's right, gone. Right, your primary coping mechanism yeah, and like, you didn't replace it with yeah, anything. My whoobie is gone. Your whoobie. My whoobie is gone. <laughs> Um, but I got this um, and, and didn't. And so it, it ended up in um, I blew my life up sky high um, in as, as a sober person, which is unbelievable. Um, but that's also the power of the disease of alcoholism is it, you well, may remove you that drink. spiral at, oh, at, at first when you, when you first start quitting. You do that spiral. That you, shit like, crazy. I usually refer to it as tossing a grenade into your life and just seeing what happens. Yeah. Because you just blow shit up. Completely. And, then you, and you're like, what just happened? Yeah. Oh, let's see what I can find right. going back. You pull the pin <laughs> and you hold it for a minute and you're like, you're looking at it and you, you go... Yes. Where should I throw mm -hmm. this? And then you, you, and then it doesn't go anywhere. And, and then it, it blows up in your face, up. right? You don't <laughs> throw it in time. Um, so yeah, I um, completely. I lost my eleven-year relationship. I um, yeah, I was about to. Well, literally, I was about to lose everything. Um, had an awesome affair um, with a married person, which was fun. Um, as long as it's fun. Yes, great. I mean, if you're gonna, if you're gonna have too. an affair, it right. should be fun. Right. That's my advice. Well, <laughs> it should be fun. Um, it should be, you know, blow it sky high in good Kendra fashion. I did do that. <laughs> so that's how I went out. Some excitement. Yes, yeah, that's how I went out. I took myself out on a high note. Uh, but but life blew up. Um, it was August 11th, which is so crazy that we're talking now because it's just in a few days from now. Right. So um, August 11th was like D-Day uh, for me. And then on August 12th... I'm impressed at how you know dates. Well, listen, these are dates you never, ever forget, right? Uh, when you do... When, when those things went down, like those are the things I'll never forget. Um, but yeah, I uh, agreed 
didn't really want to do this, but uh, the person that I was having the affair with said, hey, why don't you uh, come to an AA meeting with me today? And I was like, yeah, in my mind I had other plans. Um, I literally that day, don't know if you've ever seen Leaving Las Vegas with uh, God. Well, so I was going to do that because okay. it's the only thing I knew. I was, I had a plan that day. I was waiting for the liquor store to open. I was going to drink myself to death that okay. day. Like it, that's what was going to happen on August 12th. But then the phone rang and it rang and it rang and it rang. And I was just like, I don't want to answer this because I know I, I don't want to talk to anyone today. I don't. Um, but I finally answered um, and agreed to go to a meeting and thank God I did because that was my deal right. and it had thought about it too this is AA um, meeting that was next door ish to a liquor store and I thought about that I was like yeah I can meet her there <laughs> and then after that meeting I'm gonna go and load up on bourbon because I'm was a the bourbon wrong. drinker yeah yeah I was like yeah okay if you'll just stop calling and asking okay right. fine I'll go I'll go to shut you up shit let's go to the damn meeting um, but that that stepped me into where I'm at today and haven't had a the obsession to drink is gone good um, and I don't I don't have that anymore um, but I was now coping with life everything else uh, it's crazy as shit um, <laughs> coping with life what do, you, is, what do you do now to cope wow um, I write um, you know I, I do have an exercise regimen that if I don't go and work out every morning then I'm probably not much fun to be around (laughs) I guess I have another addiction right no um I I have to find I'm finding ways of you know I have to go to a meeting every day if I don't go to I'm still in that place Mm -hmm. where if I don't go to a meeting every day um and I test it sometimes I'm like "Eh, I'm too busy for that I don't want to and then the next day I'm too busy for that I'm fine today and then day three the committee Right. Up here. And you're like, one drink on her. Yeah. You know, that shit gets loud. So yeah. I have to, um, it, it's, it's interesting. And recovery is just this weird, crazy commitment. Like, you know, we have to do all these things in order, you know, because we wake up with a brain every day that's trying to kill us, and basically. And so we have things that we have to do so that we can get through the fucking day, which is crazy. <laughs> Well, I think that's what a lot of people don't understand, and that's why we keep talking about addiction on on the podcast, is because I hear so many people say, well, you just don't use, or you just don't drink. It doesn't fucking work that way. No. It is not that simple. No. I I tried that for five months, and... and, and That was a lot of fun, wasn't it? (laughs) Wow. I mean, at the time, I was like, it's fine. It's fine. You know, like... (laughs) You're, like, lying to yourself. Bombs going off all around me. I'm like, this is great. (laughs) No, it's not. It's terrible, and you look ridiculous, and you are uh, a time bomb. You're falling apart. Yeah, you're completely falling apart. Look at you. Like, you just lost an arm, and and you're like... (laughs) I'm fine, just bleeding, you know, like hemorrhaging. No, I'm fine, really. Does anyone have a Band-Aid? You know? So crazy. I feel like addiction's treated like that, though, in this this society, in this country. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, since, you know, being um, in matriarch Mm -hmm. um, and, and really plugging into trauma, uh, the the generational trauma that we all have mm-hmm. as Native people, 
Um, I have, you know, aside from the, the Alcoholics Anonymous or the recovery, that process and that program, I'm looking at things even from a completely different, because that doesn't completely fit me, right. um, AA. Uh, it doesn't, com- it do- does not connect all my dots for me. Right. Um, so the deeper that we go in matriarch and then the outside work that I'm doing as well, just with regard to generational trauma, shit is connecting for me now. Yeah. Um, and so I'm kind of having to do this, you know, extra step work um, to, to, to that's what we do. We take on lots of extra work. Oh, of course. We Don't we do that? We're like, oh yeah, let's, sure, yeah, I'll I take that. Who needs something? Can I help you? Can I take that? I work that? three jobs, but sure, that? I'll do a podcast. Of course. Yeah, you told me you were doing this, and I was like, what? <laughs> when? <laughs> I know. At 2 a.m.? Yeah, right. I am often up at 1 and 2 a.m. <laughs> I mean, editing audio files. Of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I blame matriarch. Well, <laughs> I blame matriarch, too. Because what happened was, I've had people asking me to write a book for several yeah. years now. And I keep, I keep yeah. telling people, first of all, I'm ADD. I can't write a fucking book. True. I can write, like, uh, a uh, tweet thread, and that's about all right. I got before I'm off on right. something else. Um, so, I'm like, somebody ghostwrite it for me. Like, sit down and record me, and R- you can ghostwrite it. Why not, it. though? But nobody wants to put in the work to do that. <laughs> so, I'm like, okay, y'all don't get a book. You don't get a book, then. I mean, if someone doesn't want to, like, you right. know, help me be halfway, then we're not doing this. So, then, um, <laughs> the idea of podcasting had come up several times with several of these people. Because yeah. I know a few people who have podcasts. And, yeah. And they kept bringing up this format. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I don't know how to do any of that shit. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to edit audio and files. Then... And then we're in <laughs> And, and, and we were in that, that oh, you were there, weren't you? The, the last um, domestic violence and sexual assault um, at OU? class that I taught at Matriarch. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, And that's where Chelsea's like, we, we starts talking about she doing a podcast. And I'm like, I'm blaming Chelsea for this. Because then I went back and I told Stephanie, who co-hosts this, and uh-huh. she's like, see, it's not just me. We have to do this now. I'm like, oh, damn it. Why did I tell you, you this? You do. You do have to do this. I agree. And so, I, I do remember that's that. That's what happened. Because I may have that day affirmed that. I may have been like, yes. yes all Summer, of you turned you on me. You do need to. All of you turned on me. Like, yes, you do podcasts. need to do this. Great. But this is important work. I mean, because, you know, um, the behind the scenes stuff is one thing, but it's being able to get it out to you know the general public and the people who are listening right and i kind of felt like since all of you were saying yes you have to then i'm like i'd be a little hypocritical since i just spent a half an hour lecturing everybody and how we have to ship these dialogues yeah yeah right right so i'm like okay fine that's what we'll do sign up for this for a little while so i learned how to edit audio files badly (laughs) but you know how to do it i'm learning yeah if you listen to the episodes you can tell it's like choppy sometimes i'm like fuck it this is not a professional broadcast <laughs> right. y'all don't like it somebody volunteer to help yeah <laughs> hey, i like that though that's like the you know it's like indie films and right. stuff like the shoestring budget come exactly. on love it <laughs> like you get whatever you, whatever my coffee can give you at exactly whatever <laughs> time it is how, what kind of mood i'm in this is what you get and I may yes, and I'm 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 authentically me making terrible jokes about things that you probably shouldn't joke about. No, but that's how I deal with life. But me too, though. <laughs> like addiction and my ridiculous behavior and the things that happen. I mean, you gotta 
don't you have to laugh about that? I mean, I have to, or I'll lose my damn mind. Yeah, I mean, I would be depressed, and that doesn't suit me well. No. So I don't know. <laughs> this has been fun. I like this. So. <laughs> have you listened to any of our episodes yet? I have. I listened oh, you, to. I, I listened listen to. to? Was it like maybe your second one you sent me? Was that Priya? Yep. Yeah, I love her. Did you hear her PSA? That was my favorite at the end of her episode. No. We we talk about women's health and everything. And then because we had to record. Priya was the first interview I recorded, actually. Okay. And we had a little technical difficulty and lost all but five minutes of her audio. You did? Yes. So then we had to re-record. So we ended up coming out with like two hours. She loved it. She thought it was great. She's like, yes, I want to do this again. (laughs) Right. Can we lose this again? So we ended up with like two hours worth of audio because we just sat at my kitchen table talking talking. forever. I love that. And so there's all this serious discussion about like women's health and we talked about pride and we talked about lots of different stuff. And at some point, I just lost control of what was happening. <laughs> she gets in the microphone. She's like, attention. This is a PSA. You men can't find the G spot for I shit. Not... <laughs> I mean, so, uh... <laughs> we this long conversation about sex toys and how uh, men, what men should be doing that they don't know what do they're this. doing. <laughs> And you got to pay attention, right? Right. You gotta... I ended up having to cut some of it, but okay, I left the man. good parts in there. I mean, well, so, you know, I don't uh, I don't have that issue right? of concern. Uh, <laughs> like I mentioned, uh, yeah. I don't think you've mentioned that on here yet. Oh, so yeah. The listeners don't so know. I've been with women for, well, let's see here. My first crush, I was... Four years old. Four. My babysitter, her name was Trish, and I went to my neighbor's yard every time she would come to babysit my brother and I, and I would pick their flowers. And I would take them to her, and I would write her some poem uh, with, like, crayons. Like, I was serious. very expressive four-year-old. I like older women, apparently. You still like older women? You still like them older? Um... Yeah, I think so. Maybe. I mean, it depends on how old here. Like, you know, a couple years, you know. I guess I'm not like a spring chicken or anything. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. So, did you ever date men? Or is it all I did. Women? Um, I tried real hard to make that work. Uh, so, I should get. It really doesn't work some if you're sort to try. Of, I tried so hard. Um, I, uh, yeah, so. Now that I think about it, hmm. yeah, so I was sexualized at a really, really early age. I lost my virginity when I was 13, which is just craziness. I was 14. Um, okay, okay. I regret nothing. Yeah, I mean, it just, like, that happened. I was like, okay. Um, so 13 was a big year for me, like, yeah. losing my virginity. And Why getting, is it all connected you know, to when we started drinking? Exactly. <laughs> well, exactly. And I was like, well, maybe that's why I was a drunk, because I tried to be with guys, and it just wasn't working. I don't know. It will drive you to drink. I mean, sure. maybe that's what it was. <laughs> so but, why were you trying? How long did you try to be with guys? So for four years. Wow, that's uh, a long time. Isn't it? Like, four years and, and seven guys. Um, uh-huh. you know, I literally, I kept trying. I was like, ah, oh no, ooh, no, oh no. Why did you keep it's trying? Terrible. Were you just trying to figure out where you I were I kept at trying because I was like, maybe this is the, maybe it's the guy's fault. Like maybe, oh, okay. may, I don't like that. So like, you hadn't quite Yeah, just wasn't your... a, wasn't a connection. There was no physical connection. There was, I was like, this is like round hole square peg, but no, <laughs> not really. Not exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but that's, but that's what You're it like, felt like. I just like, don't want the pad. Weird. <laughs> exactly. This is so strange. 
and your body is hard and um, you have hair under your arms and uh, ooh, I don't like this. And so at 17, I literally one month after I graduated high school. They get hairier as they get older. Well, yeah, exactly. Which, man, I can't, I cannot. I have a whole rant about that. I mean, listen, I got with my uh, first girlfriend a month out of graduating from uh, high school and it was like, the fucking angels were singing Aww. when that happened. I was like, "Oh, I finally figured okay. this out, <laughs> huh?" Yeah, I always liked my best friend, and I always thought she was real pretty, you know. So then right. it all started Connect connecting. Yeah. Okay. And of course, I grew up in a, a time where it uh, was not like it is now. And the kids now, at like 10, 11, are like, "Yeah, I think I'm a lesbian." It's like, what? Yeah, That's nobody. Crazy. Yeah, nobody it's came craziness. out of those I loved it when I was young. Oh my god, no, no. I mean, I always knew, I always knew from four, from writing my babysitter Trish poems with crayons. I always knew. I mean, come on. (laughs) I always knew it was different. Very expressive. (laughs) Oh my God. Always, always. And I'm sure she would get those and be like, what the fuck? (laughs) You're four. (laughs) Okay. You're four and you're telling me how pretty my eyes are. That's sweet. And a little Ah, bit. Right. She didn't babysit for us too long though. I remember being (laughs) You made her uncomfortable. I guess I was like sexually harassing her at four. How embarrassing, <laughs> which actually makes sense for the rest of my, you know, days. That, that harassment, those skills, man, I got them down. <laughs> Broken lady hearts all over the place. It's just terrible. <laughs> God. Which is why, you know, I'm back on this eight step thing here. Oh, I am again. Right. Like, yeah, I got to make the amends. You got to go make amends. Oh, man. Shit. <laughs> Do you have to sit down and make a list? Yeah. Like, I, I made the list the other day. I was like, all right, I got to extract this. I got to get this out. I got to do this. I got to keep moving forward. Then when it spills over to several pages, you start panicking? Well, yeah. <laughs> yes. And then it's like, oh, 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 damn. You know? <laughs> Shit, I forgot about her. And, oh, man, I forgot about that. And, right. You know, it's just this. So it's kind of depressing <laughs> in a sense. It doesn't make you feel great about I have to call yourself, my sister. You know? She remembers more than I do. She's like, no, you forgot that one. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm like, damn. Uh, thanks. Uh, did I forget that one? Thanks. I was trying to forget that right? one. But thank you. If I don't remember his name, yeah. it doesn't count. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your help. <laughs> yeah. No, so yeah. You're right now. Uh, yeah. So since, you know, 17, that was... That was it for boys. I'm like, yeah, I'm done I'm with done. you boys. <laughs> You're not, you can't find would, the G-spot. Uh, no so. kidding. <laughs> no. Okay. I've been having sex for more than, I don't know how old I am off the top of my head, mm-hmm. but more than 20 years. Yeah. In all that time. God. I swear to God, I've only been with one man who could find it and knew what to do with it. I mean, it, without, and, without instruction. Because there it is. You finding it is one thing, but doing something with it is a completely other thing. Yes. Like you have to do both, right? It's and I'm step not trying, and I'm step not trying to teach you here. Like no. I don't have time for that shit. No way I know, this is not sex ed class. No. Like I expect you to already have that shit down. Right. Otherwise when, you just don't get to come back no, for a repeat performance. You, you don't. I am that mean. I like, won't call you again. No. I, I, I'm awful. Well, like, I ghost people. Like, I don't yeah. even tell them I'm not going to see you again. I just block your fucking number. Well, why and you it? never hear from me again. But, yes. Yeah. 
I'm awful, I know. Careful not to get into a program like I'm in, because you will have to. Uh, I will. I'll have to go back through. <laughs> you'll have to remember like I said, that I'll stuff. have to call. I'll have to call Vicky uh, and be like, okay, cool. so. Yeah. We're going to start with last month. Yeah, there. There. <laughs> work backwards. Like, great. This is so awesome. But, you know, i got to get the, i got to work those steps. i got to stay sober. <laughs> those things are important. <laughs> yeah, they are. It's all, um, getting through those are the things that keep me sober so i gotta do it <laughs> well you're doing good though thank you almost at a year and a half almost at a year and a half um yeah it, it's crazy because sometimes i'll sit in meetings and i i hear people say things like yeah i had 15 years sobriety and one day i just went and got fucked up and that shit scares me yeah. to death but it also is you know just that reminder that this is it's a serious, you know, it's a serious disease. It's serious shit. There's only a few um, that that will ever remain sober, too. So the, the odds, it's like 1 in 10 um, that aren't going to continually, you know, like mm. slip, um, which that shit scares me. I'm That's, like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a super, um, I'm a high-risk individual, high adrenaline, always have been, and do not scare easily. I never have nothing at all ever really scared me but that does like slipping that scares the shit out of me because what I know is is that the disease of addiction or alcoholism is it's progressive right so right. I may I haven't had a drop to drink in a year in five months but if I go out and drink again I mean it's that progression like I'm I'm my bottom is uh, going to be lower than I ever, if I make it out of it. And that's mm -hmm. my deal is that, you know, would I know to stop? Would I stop? Right. Um, so, I don't know. It's a, this has been a crazy fucking journey. That's for <laughs> sure. <laughs> I like that you're so open about it. I think that's important. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I, obviously, Alcoholics Anonymous, it's a, anonymous alcoholics anonymous it is an anonymous <laughs> program but um and, and there are some you know folks in there with a whole lot of sobriety that have been in the program for 20 30 years might look down on what i'm doing right now um which i don't care right <laughs> i i kind of if i can help someone or i mean i'm gonna tell about it i mean it's it's Something that I, you know, it's a huge hurdle, um, and it almost fucking killed me. Um, and 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 so I kind of have a duty to to talk about it because if I can reach one person, um, then then I've I've done my job, and I feel like I have the gift of of a horrifying story uh, <laughs> that I have Sorry. to get that out right. and share it because so does a whole lot of other people, and so. Yeah, talking about all the shit is, um, um, I think I said it to you in a text. I'm like, I'm an open book. <laughs> yes, you, you know? an open book. <laughs> because I, you know, I, I know that if I were, you know, hanging on by a string, um, and if I were to hear that, then I, it may give me hope. It may give me a resource. It may right. give me something, motivation to do something other than what I'm doing or, you know, who knows? So that's why I'm I'm open about this stuff. It's good. It's important to talk about it. Right. And, and I'm not what, ashamed of it. That's you know? what the podcast is Shit. about, too. I hope yeah. people be less ashamed yeah. and feel less isolated. Right. Because 
we're all human and we all deal with shit. Well, yeah. And it's time we stop being ashamed of it and hiding it and yeah. dealing with all the stigma because that doesn't help anybody. Right, right. That's so. exactly right. You said the word and it, it's stigma. Um, and I'm like, fuck some stigma. You know, right. um, stigma is just, it is killing people and it's keeping people mm-hmm. sick and it's keeping them fucked up and it's keeping them isolated. And right. that's what stigma does. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't do anything other than destroy a person. And so. And it helps perpetuate those and, cycles. Absolutely. Like you were talking about the generational cycles yeah 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 I mean um how fucking cool like I'm uh you know I broke literally um as far back as I can remember you Mm -hmm. know like four generations of addiction and alcoholism I thus far have been given the um you know the ability to do that um but I don't know yeah the whole stigma thing it's like whatever I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm talking about it right and yeah, episode six is me. Ah, <laughs> so you'll have to listen to that one. I love that. I talk about um, yeah, because we've I've gotten a lot of questions because you know I t- dialogue with people during the interview, yeah. so little bits and pieces about me come out, and it sounds very confusing and yeah. like I'm really messed up. So, <laughs> which is fine. I'm fucked up. That's fine. Um, yeah. Which actually, but that's where the name. To of, whose definition? Right. You know what I mean? Well, that's where the name of the podcast, Broken Broken, yep. came from. Yep. It was, um, <laughs> Stephanie struggled with it a lot. She had to like go to church and pray about it to be oh, okay about I it. I love it. I love <laughs> so, it. I think she had to talk to her therapist about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I was joking about, well, first of all, we're always broke. Yeah. Because that's my life, right? But the broken was, um, there was, I wish I talked about this being in a poly relationship before it ended last year. And she had a tendency for whatever reason to drag me into their fights. And I don't know why. I don't know if I came up in their fight. And so she would text me or call me about it. I don't know. Right. But she would drag me in there. And that was one of the things she said to me was, you're just so fucking broken. Uh... And I'm like, and at first I'm like, because... Because I'm just in, like, I don't know what the hell happened. It's the middle yeah. of the night, and I just got woke up right. by, by a series of text messages, angry text messages. Right. So I just kind of flipped into, okay, calm down the crazy person <laughs> right. mode. And I'm just like, you're right, I am, and whatever, you know. But then after that, I'm like, you know what? I'm not fucking broken. Right. <laughs> I'm just human, and I'm dealing with my shit, and I think you need to, too. Right, right. And so that's where the For name sure. came from was, you know, we all feel like we're broken. but yeah. We're not. We can right. still be okay. Well, shit, and we've you know? just got to stop yeah. hiding it. And, and, yeah, you know. completely. Well, and here's the deal. I mean, every single person, we are all fucked up, right? right. We just are. Like, come on. Like, we, we're we, all... And that's okay. It's like human experience, yes. right? We're all dealing with shit. We all have shit. We all do shit. Like, we... It, not one of us are exempt from it. I don't care if you're a person of the cloth. I don't care what it is. You're dealing. Um, you've got something. Every I'm, I'm convinced every one of us has a demon. Every one of us. And it's like it looks different, feels different, whatever. Um, but, but I don't know. Uh, that broken thing, that, I'm, I'll wear that shit like a badge of honor, right? Yes, I am. But guess what? I'm going to talk that's about okay. it too. Exactly. Right. I'm going to love it enough um, to heal it because that's really all I can do. And so sitting in the corner with the lights out, that doesn't do anything, but right. it sticks me with it, mm-hmm. right? Um, which is more damaging. And so there's there's tons and tons of healing and, you know, talking about mm-hmm. it. It's just... Let's get it out. It's like whether I do affect or touch one person, I don't know, but I'm keeping myself sober right. today by talking about it. And maybe tomorrow, you know, it's like a daily reprieve for me 
than people like me, but um, yeah, this shit is a, all my brokenness. So right I'm, here it is. Like, <laughs> and that's what I'll I say it. about this. Even if nobody listens to this podcast, yeah, I've learned I've learned a lot, and I've had a lot of fun, and so yeah. it's been a lot. It's been amazing. But yeah, episode six is about me and I'm growing up as a PK and how that's all affected yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So I feel yeah. I feel rather vulnerable. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it was interesting. I can't wait to hear that. I'll yeah. definitely be tuning in for that because I've heard bits and pieces of your story before, and I'm, I'm intrigued and I want to hear more. <laughs> My mm. story is a little different. Yeah, yeah, but that's what makes it. <laughs> but beautiful. that's why I'm different. It's beautiful of a story, right? That these are, um, you know, uh, those are the the things that made us all the shit. Is is why we're standing the way that we stand like today and so it's probably why you're doing a podcast right this is why i'm putting all my secrets out on the internet because you know the world needs to know absolutely (laughs) shit Mm. you can contact the podcast at broke broken podcast at gmail.com the broken broken podcast can be found on twitter at broke broken show on instagram and facebook at broke broken podcast